But that's what makes you mad is he's obviously very good at what he does. He like saves Mila's life a few times, which is annoying. A few times. I hate it. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident historical fiction expert, Abby Williams. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in the conversation. So, at the beginning of each month, I outline the books we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. show abby i'm so stoked we finally get to do this i know i'm so sorry i'm uh, just everywhere all the time but this book this book is so good everyone just needs abby um so she's just been packed schedule packed oh yeah so making time for you though and kate quinn all right <laughs> Ayo. well uh to the listeners we are recording this in the morning so we do not have al- alcohol with us but i do have a special little coffee from einstein bros Ooh, and i have a mama needs more coffee <laughs> accurate right uh-huh I love it. So cheer, cheers to that. We love some coffee in the morning. Cheers. So I'm very excited about this book that we read today, which is The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. I am a ride or die Kate Quinn fan. I freaking love her. And this was a first for me. I had never read her. So <sighs> so I'm so excited. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to talk to you about her. Super good. So some quick facts before we get started. She published this book in 2022. So this is like a brand new book this year. It has a 4.3 out of 5 on Good reads. And so people really, really love this book. I think honestly, all of her books on Goodreads have such high ratings because she does such a phenomenal job as we'll kind of get into of just the depth of research that she does and the storytelling that she's able to do with these stories. Oh yeah. A little bit about Kate Quinn herself. So she's a SoCal native. She lives in San Diego. And Dean Nelson, Dean Nelson was Abby and I's professor in uh, college, our journalism professor. He sat down with her for a Warwick's Books little interview during the pandemic. And so I watched that whole thing. That was super fun. Dean just got so much cooler to me. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go listen to that. (laughs) So yeah, uh, she does like a bunch of local San Diego events, which is always so fun. And then she's known for writing historical fiction novels that are based on real life women who did really great things during the war, whether that's spies, whether that's coders whether that's fighter pilots whether it's um snipers like we're reading today so it's just if you want badass women doing badass things uh kate quinn is your lady oh yeah let's dive right in so this so this is just the summary based uh from amazon but in 1937 in the snowbound city of is it kiev kiev yeah okay great oh let's let's preface this as well every single name that they say in russian it's kind of you're reading the book and you just jump right over it because i cannot pronounce any of them no and i was listening to it on audio and i got so lost because 
Russian is not neither my first nor fifth language that I know. So yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to try our best. <laughs> yeah. Bear with us as we try to explain these because. Whew. So 1937 in the snowbound city of Kiev, Rye and bookish history student Mila Pavlchenko organizes her life around her library job and her young son. But Hitler's invasion of the Ukraine and Russia sends her on a different path. Given a rifle and sent to join to the fight, Mila must forge herself from studious girl to deadly sniper a lethal hunter of Nazis known as Lady Death. When news of her 300th kill makes her a national heroine, Mila finds herself torn from the bloody battlefields of the Eastern Front and sent to America on a goodwill tour. Still reeling from war wounds and devastated by loss, Mila finds herself isolated and lonely in the glittering world of Washington, D.C. Until an unexpected friendship with First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and an even more unexpected connection with a silent fellow sniper offer the possibility of happiness. But when an old enemy from Mila's past joins forces with a deadly new foe lurking in the shadows, Lady Death finds finds herself battling her own demons and enemy bullets in the deadliest duel of her life. Based on a true story, The Diamond Eye is a haunting novel of heroism born from desperation of a mother who became a soldier and of a woman who found her place in the world and changed the course of history forever. Intense. <laughs> Man. Ooh, I, I actually really like that description because there is a huge plot twist in this and I think that kind of captured it without giving you any details so yeah I totally agree so we'll get into kind of our characters I have kind of five of my main-ish characters so we have Mila who's our protagonist she's our female sniper she fought off the Nazis Lady Death yes Lady Death herself she was on the Soviet Union's front line like they give you a map in the front of the book and you can literally see where she was fighting and they are right on the front line <laughs> yep yep and then you have uh Leona Leona uh, yeah he's one of the names I changed it up every time I said it when I listened to it on audio they said it was like Leona so I'm gonna go with that I think that sounds good yes yeah, so she, he is Mila's lover who she refers to as her husband when she goes over to America even though they never got married but they were it was a whirlwind romance for sure yeah they met during the war and then um, Leona actually ends up dying in an attack on their what is it base yeah base camp basically and, and so then you have Kostya who is a sniper partner of Mila. He's kind of this very quiet, very deadly dude. He ends up marrying her after the war when they both go over to America together because Kostya is the translator for her um, because he has family in America, which he cannot let anyone know because Russia during that time would have killed him if he... The, if they knew that he had family in America. And then you have Alexi. Here, this is my description. <laughs> I say he's the asshole legal husband of Mila. <laughs> yep. He is the father to her child, got married to her because her father threatened him if he didn't get married to her that he would do evil things to him. Um, and so they got married and then he won't let Mila divorce him because he's just an asshole. He also thinks he's God's gift to this earth as a surgeon. Yeah, he's a surgeon in the war and thinks he's like the best surgeon in the entire world. But that's what makes you mad is he's obviously very good at what he does. He like saves Mila's life a few times, which is annoying. A few times. I hate it. Yep. And then you have, of course, Eleanor Roosevelt. She is the first lady and ends up becoming a very good friend of Mila and a mentor to her in a way. Just the sweetest part of the book, honestly. I love I love that little friendship that developed. She's so cute. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Let's do it. Out of all of Kate Quinn's books. This one was the hardest one for me to get into, only because 
like you said, with the Russian names, the Russian landscape, it's hard for me to get my place and get my people Mm -hmm. until I was about 100, 150 pages in. I would agree with that. There was a couple of times where I really had to make sure I was in like a quiet setting so that I would I could focus on okay, who is who. Um, it's also weird because you started out knowing that this is about a sniper, you know, so you're like, okay, it's going to get like super action packed. But you have to remember, this is before the war. That's where it starts out. So it's, I don't know, just not as exciting as you would think. She's, she works in the library. She's a student. So it's just kind of like, yeah. all right, this is fun. But yeah, you're right. It took probably about 100 pages. And then it takes off. Yeah. But I think it's it's interesting that you said that too, where it shows that the life of a sniper was not just hiding up in a building and like picking off people from the street. Right. They literally laid in a hole in the ground for hours. Yep. And just like chewing on like sugar leaves and like... Yeah, that's what... That is one of the most interesting details that she incorporated into the book. Just the fact that it's like you think, oh, some tea. No, they are chewing on like tea leaves and sugar. Like that's so interesting. Yeah, just to like stay awake because they're literally having to be yep. like a stone, just so still. I could not. And like staking people out, waiting for the opportune moment just to pick off a couple guys. Yeah, but I think it also the beginning of the book, it was very important that she set up that you know, Mila wasn't born a killer. Mm -hmm. She had to become one to survive and to protect her child, you know? So I think even though it was hard to get into at first, very important to kind of be like, Hey, listen, like she, she didn't want this, Yeah, but she had to adapt. And establish that relationship with Alexi of like, this is who he is to her. Oh yeah. And then you kind of, he doesn't become as important throughout the novel, but then he comes way into play toward the end where she's getting all this national recognition and he is not getting as much attention as he would have liked. And so he's kind of piggybacking off of her success. Yeah. And wanting to go as far as to have someone try to assassinate her, which he was like, oh, I thought he was just going to embarrass you. And I was like, what? I mean, that's a good that's a good thing to discuss, because when I was reading it, I kind of went back and forth and I hadn't read what was going to happen next yet. So I was just after that scene, I kind of was like, "Okay, did he know? Did he know or was he genuinely like, I had no idea he was going to try doing this? Or is that what planted the seed for what he was going to do next? I honestly think he didn't know. I don't think he knew either. I don't. It sounds like he was very, whoa, I didn't even think that was a possibility. And then when he realized when like she killed the guy that she was trying to assassinate her and then Alexi's up there with his gun, I think he realized, well, now she's going to turn this on me and I could be in prison for ever. Oh, totally. So it's like, I could look like the hero and like, this is my hero story because he would probably say, oh, the assassin killed her. I killed the assassin. I'm the hero because I'm like this vengeful husband. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's funny because throughout the, the novel, I believed Mila when she said, listen, you can have all the credit. Yeah. You know, she looked Alexi in the eyes and was like, I don't want the recognition. I just wanted the president safe and I want everyone else in the city safe. Yeah. You know, so that's why I did what I did. And she was like, you can have all, like, I'm not going to tell anyone that you were part of the original, you know, assassination of the president. But it's just funny because he obviously didn't know her at all because he, he took it upon 
himself, oh, I got to shut her up before she says something. Yeah. So. Which is, it feels like a very, a man struggling with his masculinity kind of way of like. I think that's an entire theme of the book. Just, yeah. just kind of gender identity and all of that throughout the book. Like what is masculinity? What is femininity? All of that is literally all throughout the book. Yeah. I think, did you read the um, author's note at the end? I think I did. I don't remember. Of like Kate Quinn talking about all the research that she did. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's so interesting to finish this book and then you go and read Kate Quinn's author note, which I highly recommend do with all of her books because she tells you what in the book was real, what in the book was based off fiction, what was like, where did she get all this information? And Mila Pavlchenko is like, this is a real human, like you have photos of her. And that she did everything in this story like literally everything in the story was based off of her um, memoir and the only thing that was changed was the ending the little face-off between the assassin and the husband right but if you think about it her entire story was like true so crazy and i guess the other part was the sniper that she marries in the end that character was kind of a compilation. It wasn't clear who that character was in her memoir because she had like a sniper partner, but then she married another man after the war and they're not the same. Oh, interesting. But I think that this just like fascinates me every time I read a Kate Quinn novel because you, it reads like fiction. Yeah. And then you read her author's note and realize that, no, this is actually like all true. Uh, but that's why I love books like this because when you're reading it, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so far-fetched. That would never happen. And then you read it and you're like, that happened? Are you kidding me? Yeah. She, she does it in a way that just, oh my goodness. And like, obviously Mila Pavlichenko needs to be talked about. She's phenomenal. So it's like great that she got to tell her story. And obviously there's some things that are fictional on it, but it doesn't take away from like what she actually did in her real life. Yeah. And so as someone, I know like you are a big historical fiction buff. I love it. Mm -hmm. So how do you think, because this being your first Kate Quinn novel, how do you think like this type of historical fiction as compared to others that you have uh, read in the past? I think it's almost more impactful, if that makes sense, because the other historical fictions, it is that it's, it's fiction. And obviously they had to title this historical fiction because there are pieces that are made up. But like, if I hadn't known beforehand that it was based on a true story and then I found out I think I would have had a stroke or something because I get, I mean, I guess you can't make this stuff up, but yeah, I think compared to other things, you can tell, especially in the, like the, the little details, how much it had to have been true. They captured so much of Mila's emotions as well that, and I just like imagine that it was exactly like that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really good point because Kate Quinn does a really, this is why I love her her writing is because she said in her author's note that the memoir was very kind of dry. You could tell that the Russian government was kind of watching what she was saying. Yeah. In this memoir is very much the facts, but she's able to take like such dry historical facts mm -hmm. and like give this person, make this person like a real human being really like, Oh, absolutely. Like thread this beautiful prose, but also like, you know, these conversations that you can imagine that they're having together mm -hmm. and like nothing feels like out of place and nothing feels like, Oh my God, why are we spending like three pages on the Russian landscape? You know? <laughs> well, okay. Well, first of 
all, that was one of my favorite parts of the book. I just feel like when I think of Russia, I'm like, oh, it's cold. So Kate Quinn did a phenomenal job at basically kind of pointing out American ignorance and showing that Russia is nothing like what we picture here. It's absolutely beautiful. They do have summer. It does get warm. Yeah. She just paints that picture completely different than what I had imagined. And I so appreciate that. Yeah. And I think it's so funny that... This came out when it did, as the Russian-Ukraine crisis is happening. Yep. And she has this character who's Ukrainian, and they, like, kind of pick him up on the border. The Nazis have killed his whole family. And so he's like, I want to fight with you guys. Yeah, you're talking about Vartanov. Yes, that, like, even the people that were supposed to be on opposite sides of this fight were, like, coming together to defeat this one common enemy. Right. You know that she's been researching this for years. Oh, yeah. This isn't just, oh, this is happening, let me write a book about it. And so I thought... What a perfect book to come out at the time that it's coming out. Because I like, you know, right now we want to think of the bad guys as solely the bad guys. But this kind of gives a human face to these people that we don't normally get to see. Like you don't really get to see a Russian protagonist in like a lot of American lit. Well, I think that's what it that's what happens is she's humanizing an entire country. It's like, hey, th- this is made up of real humans who fight real battles. Even just the stuff Mila deals with with her son and who she wishes is her ex-husband but never gets that chance either. You know, it just humanizes it and I think it, it it's really interesting how many perspectives she brought in. You see kind of a bit of Ukrainian. You see obviously Russia's perspective and then the ignorance of Americans at that time. I just remember, they say something about beaches. Someone asked her like, you have beaches in Russia? And I was like... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Or you have all these, you know, American reporters, and they're asking her, like, about her underwear. Oh, I got so mad. And she was like, what? Because, <laughs> like, she, you know, she kind of describes, actually, in Russia, the women are given the same rights as men. We're asked to fight in these wars. We're asked to help. And, like, nobody's asking us about our freaking underwear. That, I think that was interesting, because obviously we know about, you know, women's rights here in America, but it was interesting kind of seeing that in a different country but I, I gotta find it I've marked it there was just basically this part where she was like kind of make yourself look like a man so that you can survive in the army yeah and I actually put this on a note because I think I think this is my one thing that I think we could have maybe touched on a little bit more was and she kind of touched on it in her author's note but Mila was threatened multiple times in all of the base camps that she was at and all these war zones she was in. If you don't, you know, have sex with me right now, I'm just going to like force myself on you. Or if you don't have, if you don't marry me right now, like. Well, that brings up the significance of the pistol. Basically, one of the people gave Mila a pistol and was like, listen, if you ever get injured badly enough that you get captured by the enemies, shoot yourself because they do unspeakable things to women. That was the weapon of war. I also like remember reading in the author's note where it's like there were a lot of women who did get taken advantage of in this war, but Mila was almost feared. Well, yeah. <laughs> among her comrades because she, you know, had her kill count at whatever, over 200 at the time that she was leading these men. And so I think. Like she said that her relationship with these guys, according to the memoir that she was reading and according to interviews, they respected her, especially when she was with Leona. They knew don't touch her. Yeah, but even then she like learned. So I found it. She says, do it right. And the men in your company came to look at you as a kind of honorary male, cheerful, sexless, useful in a crisis. Okay kind of terrible but then also I think that's why Lena was such an important character which Mm -hmm. for those of you who remember it's uh, kind of her best friend in the war 
Yeah. They were the only two women at the very beginning. She basically is always like, watch your back, have eyes in the back of your head. Even when you're off duty, you are on because you're a woman and you're fighting a different war compared to these men because it's not just on the enemy front. It's also on your own. Yeah, so true. I I, I highlighted this quote um, that Mila said, no one better to teach you to be a, ma- a good man than a good woman. Because she was talking about how Alexi pretty much just doesn't want her son. Mm-hmm. She has this son and Alexi doesn't want anything to do with him. And so she's like, okay, well, if he's not going to be your dad, I'm going to be your mom and your dad. I uh, love her. And like that keeps coming up as a theme in the book because you're telling me that a woman can't do this while I'm taking on a role as both a woman and a man for my son. Well, it's just crazy because of Alexi being such an asshole. This actually started everything that Mila went through. He is the reason that she took those, you know, shooting classes so that she could teach her son how to shoot a gun. And it's just crazy what unraveled. It basically was, Alexi kind of was his, the own end to himself. You know, he, he triggered this and then it eventually led to his demise. So just funny how it came full circle. Yeah. And it's crazy too that the whole time that Mila was in the United States, she was like just itching to get back to the war. Mm-hmm. She's like, I need to like keep fighting because if I'm over here doing this, what does that make me? And like Alexi's like, oh, let's go shopping. I mean, I think it's almost as if she got addicted to the war. It consumed her. And I think that's kind of, it was a really interesting way to see how people like deal with it that is your life well yeah because before you know she felt helpless she felt like you know Alexi was making her jump for things yep and like she couldn't shoot a gun and she you know was taking care of a son all by herself and then in the war she was like the most desired sniper that could do things that others couldn't. Yeah. And so she had this power over people that she didn't have in her normal day-to-day life. And so I think like that feeling she didn't want to lose by getting out of the war. Right. Well, even she says it, like she just completely accepted death. And so it's like also weird because I feel like it's that mindset. If I return, then I have failed. I must die on the battlefield or else I did not serve my country properly. Yeah. Which is so crazy because then that obviously kind of contradicted her feelings of all I want to do is be back with my son. So it was like this inner battle. Yeah. And then I also highlighted this quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. I reminded myself that you must do the thing that you cannot do always. And generally you find out that you can do it after all. Yep. Words to live by every single day of our lives. Yeah. Especially in that time, you know, she was being told, you can't say this, you can't do that. And then they're telling Eleanor Roosevelt she can't drive, but then she just gets in the car and drives. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was such a funny part. Yeah, she apparently was a crazy driver. (laughs) Honestly, this was another one of those books that Kate Quinn just has a way with words where it's like, yeah, this book is about World War II and a female lady death sniper. And yet she took things and experiences and made them completely like, hey, you can take this and apply it to your life. There were so many of those. Yeah, and she does that with like all of her books too. And it's very, especially as like a female reading it, it's very female empowerment. Oh yeah. But it's also, yeah, it's also a war story. So I think it's so interesting how she's making this traditionally very like male genre of these like war books and making them applicable to like females who want to read about it. Absolutely. Because it is like, it's a war story and there's battles and there's people who die and there's bombings and there's all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's also touching on that human condition and 
all Mila really wants is to feel loved and protected and to be the lover and protector of her son. And I think that was an important part, especially with the American journalists and Mila. I just think that we have a tendency as human beings to put people in this box. Oh, you killed someone in war? Okay, well, you're you're basically, you are Lady Death. That is all you are. You are a killer. You must have like these killer instincts, which is absolutely the opposite of what Mila is. Mila was just skillful. She, she was patient. She was very good at what she did, but that was not her heart. All she wanted to do, like you said, was be loved. She wanted to love her son. She wanted to give him the best life he could. And so it's just interesting, like seeing like, there's always more to the story than we even see. So I don't know. I loved how well-rounded Mila kind of, her character came together where it's just like, yeah, she is this kind of like bad B for lack of a better words. But she is also just so much more than that. She was the scholar. She was the all around like Mila's just that like you can, it's a character you don't think that you'll, you know, have anything in common with. And then you're just like, oh, shoot, actually like our, our lives. There's a lot of things that, that we both went through, you know? Yeah, as different as our lives are playing out, the same like underlying tones and the underlying struggles, that is what Kate Quinn does so well is make these characters human and be able to connect with the present day, which is so hard to do. Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely, this what got me thinking about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And I think that was probably her goal by telling, or like you said, she's been doing research four years. So I'd be curious to know when she finished writing the book and what what prompted her to release it this year, you know? Because I think it was good timing. Maybe it was kind of like, oh, I'm working on this. And then that whole thing happened. And it's like, oh, let's push, let's push to get this done a little bit quicker. I could see that. I, I could see that as well. Okay. My last question before we get to final ratings, what are your thoughts on, she kind of hinted at what her next book is going to be, which is the ballerina who is the tank driver. You're lying. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm, no, I'm so not. excited for that because I actually thought, I knew that there had to be something because it, it kind of just like left her story. Just like, I am so excited for that. If that's the case. I had no idea. Yeah. Ballerina turned tank driver turned back into ballerina. Yeah. That's, incredible oh i really hope that's the next one. Oh my gosh that's so cool here we go oh my gosh i'm so excited i actually have my good like pairings ready this time so i <laughs> love it okay so final ratings and then we'll get into pairings so final rating for me i said a 4.8 out of 5 because I said Kate Quinn has done it again. She's done it again. She's just written such a such an impactful story, like you said, that is a badass woman doing badass things, but also is like very human. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very action-packed. Like I wasn't bored. The only thing was I just took a little bit to get into it because of the names. <laughs> and that's like such an American thing. Right, right. Yeah, that's on us. That's, that's not on her. You know, and I think we maybe could have touched on kind of the violence of men with, with women during this time because I feel like it was a little bit more intense than she was letting on. Oh, I agree. But like, it is kind of a dark thing to write about. So, I, you know, I could see why you don't really want to dip your toe in there because that's like a whole nother can of worms. But I think that just every character had such distinct qualities, had such a distinct voice, which is really hard to get with these historical fiction, especially when it's based on real life humans that we can't just sit down and talk with. So yeah, 4.8. is pretty good. I would probably give it a 4.5. And the reason is, is because there's another book that we will talk about here in a few minutes when I give you my pairing. But I just was 
obsessed with it. And I feel like I would rate... I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I would rate that one a 4.8. So this one is very, very close. I think, again, I feel like it's cliche, but character development was absolutely just on point. And then obviously, she tackled so many issues in this book. I think the reason she probably didn't talk about more of the sexual assault stuff that goes on is because they really were trying to paint the picture of who was the enemy. You know what I mean? And so when you start bringing that into it, you then realize, well, we have enemies right here at home. That's very true. And I think that would deserve its own stuff. So I do think it was important that she brought it up. But yeah, you're right. There was absolutely more to that. (laughs) But yeah. No, but that's a good point. That's a very, very, because that would distract from the actual storyline. Right. So yeah, Uh, 4.5. Mila's a badass. I can't say I would want to be her because like, I'm not into being a sniper, but I like definitely respect her. I get that. All right, let's get into pairings. Um, Do you have a wine pairing for today? I never have wine pairings. I suck at this. Well, I got you. Um, Mine was the wine Prisoner. Uh, This is a Cab Sav. It's very bold. It's like super rich. You really want to take your time sipping on it because it's just, it's like really, really nice wine. You might need that for this book, to be honest. Yeah, and I just think of, a, anytime I think of war, I feel red. So I feel like I had to go with the red. Yep. But I feel like the Cab Sav reminds me of Mila, where she's this bold character, where you just kind of have to take your time with her. Yep. And you just have to, like, let her open up to you. And that's why. I love that. That's so deep. <laughs> I, need to, I need to learn my wines. I'm going to have, guys, don't worry. I'm going to have Jenna teach me. This is why we're doing this. <laughs> this is why we're doing this. Yeah. Do you want to go first with your pairings? Sure. Okay, what would you pair bookwise? Okay, bookwise, definitely. We talked about it a few minutes ago because this is the book that I give like 4.8. Out of all books I've read, this is probably one of my favorite. I laughed, I cried, and that would be my girl Kristen Hanna and The Nightingale. So it's obviously also set World War II all about the women of war, um, what they go through, what they experience, and just overcoming a lot of that. So yes, that is probably the most perfect pairing you could have had. And then in terms of movies, definitely The Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games. Honestly, that could also work for book, whatever you want to do. But yeah, female empowerment, someone kind of learning something out of survival. And then what's the last one? What do we need? Uh, TV show. Oh, man. Okay. Can I do another movie instead of a TV show? Do it. I'm in it. Mulan. Oh my gosh. Why is that so perfect? Right? <laughs> right? I was just like, this, this is it. So I feel like that one does not need to be explained. Yeah. That's just, oh my gosh, that's so good. Just a woman doing doing a man's job better than the men. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Those are great. Those are great pairings. So my TV show, the TV show is difficult. There's not a whole lot of historical fiction TV shows, to be totally honest. But mine was The Great uh, with Elle Fanning. I only watched the first season, haven't gotten to the second season yet, so I will... Um, have to come back but it just reminds me of kind of this woman who wants to like do it you know have this job and do what she wants to do and do it really well but there's like some something standing in her way and there's just like a little bit of humor and she's just like oh my god these like men are incompetent I'm just gonna do it myself kind of thing so love it and then the book I did this is kind of a phone in but you know whatever The Huntress by Kate Quinn (laughs) okay okay because this is about uh, another Russian woman um, and she's this fighter jet pilot and so she's just in this like crazy badass woman who has a reputation that precedes her that isn't quite 
accurate to who she actually is. And that also has a very twisty end that is like, whoa, crazy. So that and then my movie was Hidden Figures. That's a good one. Women being women. Women doing being women and just being smarter and better. all of these are just great examples of like if men would just take a second maybe be willing to learn from women then we'd all just be better for it we all be better for it agreed right those are some good pairings well abby thank you so much for coming on the show today of course thanks for having me jenna appreciate you making time for me Uh, always always will you and kate quinn (laughs) me and kate quinn all right all right bye bye now Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. That's at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. And stay tuned because next Tuesday, Sierra and I will be discussing Beach Read, so you really won't want to miss it. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Mm